Welcome to Dead House. I'm Dylan. And I'm the king of the swing. And you are a little under the weather today. Yeah, I apologise. My voice sounds a little raspier than usual. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'm coming down with something or if I'm getting over it, but oh well. That's rough. I'm sure it's not that bad. I've peaked already, apparently. <laughs> You've had immunity boosters. You've had a coffee if that does anything. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure it makes it worse. Like milk and stuff makes you... Ah, you if know, you're congested, m- yeah. yeah. More mucusy or something. I don't yeah. Know. But it also wakes me up, so that's... Mm. That's the burden I deal with. Very good. This is probably the latest in the day we've recorded for a while, I think. What is it, quarter to three? Yeah, we're trying to avoid the uh, the mowing neighbour today. We'll see if that <laughs> pans out. <laughs> so far, so good. We've deduced it seems to be every second Sunday just before midday, given that he interrupted us last episode. I think we're sweet. Yep. Anyway. So, how have you been since our last recording? Yeah, pretty damn tired, I'll be honest. <laughs> pretty tired. I'm not sleeping too well. I'm looking into float therapy oh, as yeah. a potential remedy, as, as we discussed earlier. Just laying there, floating in a bath of salts and <laughs> meditating for an hour. We'll sure. See how that goes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good enough. Sounds great. 26 mm. going on 50. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I caught a gig on a Wednesday night, uh, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I do night shifts Thursdays. So it was fine. Oh, I thought you meant you weren't a huge fan of the gig. <laughs> oh, no, the gig was sick. I saw NF, the uh, huge oh, Christian no rapper. He's blown up the last few years oh rest in pieces <laughs> i saw him in melbourne in 2020 and it was just like him over some backing tracks and very kind of reserved stage presence mm-hmm. and then he played the entertainment center on wednesday with a live drama like huge light show uh and way more interactive with the crowd and yeah was, he's come leaps and bounds when i last saw him but oh that's good you'd hate for him to get worse yeah well like some old aging rock stars that you hear <laughs> good lord what about you? What's your week consisted of? Uh, not too much. I have, and this is going to surprise the listeners, mm-hmm. I've finished The Bone Collector. I did notice like, that. There's no like, I think, la- I think last week I said I just started it. I mean, I've finished it now. It's a fucking good read. Hell yeah. And then I found out that there's a whole series of books. Like I think there's like 10 or something in, 10? in, wow, the, in okay. the series. So I've, I've picked up another one at the op shop. What was it? The Skin Collector? Is that the yeah, one Yeah, the, the one I picked up is The Skin Collector. Yeah, so, okay. Wild. Which I'm now going to tonight watch The Bone Collector movie. Because... It made me remember how much I love that movie. Uh, Speaking of movies, actually, you know what I watched for the first time this week as well is I saw the OG Nosferatu. Oh my, okay. Yeah. I I think I saw they were playing that at a cinema somewhere. I don't want to say it it was a new farm because I can't remember, but it would be cool if it was. They got to sponsor us by now. The amount of times (laughs) we've mentioned them on this podcast. Yeah, dude, I'd never seen it. I only seen like famous stills from it, and um, it entered the public domain in 2019, I think. So oh, yeah? it's just for free in full HD on YouTube. Is so. it any good? Yeah, it's okay. very good. I can see why people still talk about it, like literally a hundred years yeah, later. Yeah, goddamn. Yeah, and uh, I think it's like one of Robert Eggers' favorite films. Obviously, why he's re- remaking it, I guess. Yep. Uh, but yeah, some really sick like effects in there given the time and the limitation of their resources. Hell yeah. So yeah, recommend it if you've got a spare hour and a half and you want to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. But, My God, uh, started the podcast off with two movie recommendations. Yeah, very different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's hit them with another different one. Yeah, for sure. Surely, surely people have seen this one, right? I mean, I hadn't seen it until this pod. Really? Okay. Just heard a lot about it because it was pretty influential. Sure. I mean, obviously, it's hostel or hostel, mm. if you say it that way. I mean, like you say weirdo. hostel, but you're the only person I know who says it. <laughs> I say way. I say a lot of a lot of words weirdly. I don't know. I mean, Americans probably say hostel, and it was done by an American, so we'll go with that. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, hostel by Eli Roth. Mm. What year did this come out? Two thousand and five. Two thousand and five. So just just after Saw. Yeah, was, just after uh, what probably kick-started its own subgenre. Yes, people widely consider these two movies to be like the start of the torture porn genre, which I'm yeah. a big fan of. Yeah. What, what do they call that? There was like a, a technical term for that style. Was it um, torture porn's like what some, I think, film critic called yeah, it and then yeah. it caught on? Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if there is a technical. I mean, Splatterfest, if you want to go back to like Romero. Sp- oh, Splatterfilm. Splatterfilm. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's the word I was thinking of. That's it. But yeah. Just lots of gore is, is all that means. The movie where, I don't know, yeah, they just have, they have a story, and mm. but the, I guess, main focus people seem to think is on the effects and the gore. Yeah. Which I don't even think is true for Saw 1 or Hostel. Like, yeah, there's like very much gore in it and it mm. very much depends on your uh, t- 
tolerability, if that's the right word I'm trying to think of. Tolerance. Tolerance, there you go. <laughs> Fuck me. Your tolerance to, to say how bad it is, but I think it's still a good like core story and it's not like mm. the movie is severely focusing on the gore. Yeah, well, even like we said in the Saw episode, that had a huge cult following in the years that followed and even today, yet critics panned it yeah. on release. And I, th- I think similar with this, like the right crowds could appreciate it. Yeah, I think... And, and it goes back to like the people calling it torture porn. I think mm. that puts people off and like they just see that, they see the gore and the effects and they just kind of write it off and say, oh, it, it can't have a good, like like literal porn. Oh, I can't have a good story because it's all about the goods. What are you doing, step bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see Whereas what you mean. I think there is a good story behind Hostel. Mm, yeah, I think particularly the first one uh, is actually really well written mm. and well paced which i'll be honest i wasn't expecting for a film like this okay i mean um, what about from a film from eli roth because this yeah. was his what second film uh i think so because it was his first cabin fever yeah which we- some people love some people <laughs> absolutely hated i uh, i don't absolutely hate it but mm. i lean more towards that side i think yeah. it's got like quite cringy acting quite cringy writing yeah and the effects are very low budget but i mean you'd expect that I mean, I think I've read that some people actually consider Cabin Fever to be like one of the worst contemporary horrors ever made. I mean, no, I don't know about that because there are there are there are other ones out there that are like blatantly they didn't even try. Cabin mm. Fever, like he tried, yeah, and some of it just doesn't land. Yeah, he's an interesting dude because he seems very hit and miss. I guess like Shyamalan. But um, by <laughs> the we, way, can like, we go an episode without mentioning Shyamalan? <laughs> I was just gonna say, by the way, how like polar opposite is this from the Sixth Sense <laughs> last week? <laughs> True. Oh Jesus! But uh, anyway, we like a we like a diverse schedule. Yeah. Um. But yeah, written and directed by Eli Roth, like you said. Uh. And yeah, seems to be a much better received than cabin fever um but he also went on to do things like knock knock which i've not seen with keanu reeves oh, i've seen that that was good i didn't realize that was eli roth yeah that's, yeah that's uh, i liked that movie and um most recently thanksgiving just last year which regrettably i missed and it's theater run but i've heard very good things and then clown right that's when you want me to watch yeah see i've mentioned that in previous episodes but i think he produced it i don't oh, think he okay. wrote or directed it um but he did produce it and um I guess that goes a long way to get a film notice and also give it the budget it deserves to be done well. Like yeah. even the fact that this had Quentin Tarantino on board Hell yeah. would have been a big uh, marketing ploy, I guess, to the film. <laughs> well, apparently they even, because it's got like the first title on screen is a Quentin Tarantino film or something like that. Or oh, it probably pro- says like produced Quentin Tarantino by, Presents. Yeah, there you go. Quentin Tarantino like Presents. Apparently... Yeah. When they were doing like submitting it to the MPAA, mm. people who like go to cut it and tell you, oh, you got to cut this to make it an R rating or an X rating or whatever. Yeah. Apparently, one of their reasons they didn't need to cut so much is because their logic was, oh, it's a Quentin Tarantino type film. So mm. people know what they're going into. You're not going to accidentally stumble into something that yeah, says okay. Quentin Tarantino and then think, oh, this is a nice family flick. Yeah. Like, interesting. You, you know what you're signing up for. There's going to be a lot of blood. Yeah. Cool. I like that. And, uh, oh, he also did Hostel Part 2, wrote and directed that as well. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, didn't do the third. I, I think that was, like, one of the producers of the first one directed the third yeah. from memory. Yeah, I, I do remember someone involved with the first one yeah. when I did the third one. And was that, I, th- I feel like, I want to say that was directed DVD as well. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I don't think it got a theatrical release. Have you seen that one? Uh, only bits and pieces. Mm. I know the very basic premise of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I need to watch it. Yeah, I would say the second one like probably upped the gore, but the story was very predictable. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that's probably a byproduct of like it got this uh, like reputation for being all right, gory, bloody. If we're gonna do a second one, it has to be more Just like to into lean it. into it. Sure. Whereas I don't know, maybe it was the wrong thing to do, especially because mm. what they kill the they kill the guy in the first two minutes of the second movie. Yeah, yeah, which I was. I was surprised, but I liked that because one of the criticisms I had of this was it ended kind of abruptly and somewhat unresolved. Like he got really? some personal closure, sure. Yeah. But just the story as a whole, I thought, came to a grinding halt. But then if you watch the second one uh, soon afterwards, it all kind of makes sense why. I don't know if you want to get into that later in the episode, but I think it was a great ending. Okay. 
How about the how about the <laughs> how about the start of the movie? Let's start with the start of the movie. All right, yeah. So, what's um, a basic synopsis or a plot summary of this movie for those that haven't seen it? Should AA, we, Sean, should we say who's in it? All right, fine. We'll get do that, that first. Yeah. So it's starring Jay Hernandez, yep. uh, Derek Richardson, and Ethor Johnson. I'm good, gonna say good job. He played Ollie, who is uh, apparently that was his only acting role. Yeah, I believe. Uh, Quentin, no, not Quentin. Eli Roth met him when doing scouting for Cabin Fever, mm. and then wrote the role specifically for him. Oh, okay, and then that's that, cool. And then that, yeah, Icelandic guy just did the role. I think was a, my maybe a producer on the second one as well, mm. and then has done nothing else. Yeah, wow, okay, and um, yeah, some of these names are, I am going to butcher. So we had, I'm going to say it's Jan Vlasak, <laughs> was the Dutch businessman Vlasak, um, who apparently didn't speak English. Oh yeah, I read that he learned his lines phonetically. Wait, so who did he play? He wasn't the he was the, the guy. He right? was the dude that was torturing uh, Josh. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, which I, Did he even say any English well, aren't lines? I don't remember. Well, yeah, he spoke to them in English. Okay. But I've seen behind the scenes footage of when they were shooting the film. And whenever like Roth says cut and they're like talking amongst the actors, um, he's just like whistling off to the side because he has no idea what they're saying. Imagine that. Imagine being in a movie and just not knowing anything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, and it was done on a budget of 4.8 mil, but went on to make 82 million. So Interesting. Huge. Not as huge as I thought it would be, though. Okay. Yeah, for some reason I thought it did better than that. Mm. I mean, better than double, but yeah, as I, we've said before, like in order for it to technically do well, it's got to get like two and a half times its budget. Yeah. Although yeah. I think that usually takes into account like marketing, whereas I can't imagine there was too much marketing for this. Yeah, I mean, I can't quite recall. I, I vaguely remember like seeing peripheral advertising of Saw as a kid, but Hostel more so was just I'd heard whisperings of it as I got older, like mm. into my teenage years, probably yeah. from you, to be I'm honest. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, interestingly, apparently Roth was offered to remake The Last House on the Left uh, and The Fog, which mm-hmm. obviously classic um, Craven and Carpenter films, um, as well as I think another Texas Chainsaw installment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Quentin Tarantino advised him to do an original because he, I guess, saw the talent in um, Cabin Fever that just didn't have the the resources or the budget mm-hmm. uh, for his full capability. Um, but the concept itself was inspired by these Thai murder vacations, which was apparently a site he found on the dark web of uh, videos of people like just walking into a room where someone's like strapped up, shooting them in the head, and walking out. Mm-hmm. Um, you pay money to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he's later said, I think, in interviews that uh, initially he had the concept of making it as like a mockumentary film with sort of survivors being interviewed, that kind of thing, or mm-hmm. people that are in the trade. Um, but they couldn't find enough research on it, obviously, I guess, being... Dark in, web stuff. Yeah, in the underbelly of um, of the, the Thai organized crime syndicates. But uh, also anyone he reached out to to find more information from wouldn't speak to him for fear that they'd be killed. Sure. I mean, you've, you've ruined it for me now though because now you're saying mockumentary. I'm just imagining a hostile movie but in the style of like Borat or like Sacha Baron Cohen oh, style. Yeah. That's That'd be interesting. Gross. I mean, that's just the dictator, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you said before, I guess giving it like a brief synopsis, um, it's a criminal organization that kidnaps backpackers so they can sell them to rich people uh, to do whatever they like to them in these torture rooms in Slovakia. Yeah. Pretty fucked. That's pretty much it. And it's all from the perspective of these two slash three, like, traveling you know, college bros, I mm. guess. Yeah, very Americanized uh, trio, I guess. Well, even though one of them's what I... Is he Icelandic in he the He is film? Icelandic, yep. Yeah, and they just kind of meet him, I guess, on their travels mm-hmm. and comes along with them like this... Uh, drifter lifestyle, yep. um, which I guess because of that, uh, it's kind of smart on the crime organization's part that the locals won't notice they're missing or yeah. care that they're missing because they just think, oh, they just up and left and took their things because they just have that like free-spirited yeah. approach to everything. I think it's also smart on the the writing part because then you can set up one of the three to be killed quite early in the movie and then mm. have a reason why the other two aren't too suspicious and too worried about it. Yeah. Because in the movie, oh yeah, someone's like, this guy's died, but they even say, oh, we met this guy like a week ago. Who's to say he didn't just take off with yeah. some Japanese girl? Which I also like that they throw in that he's got a kid. And that's yeah. like a, a big kind of reveal at the time because they're like, what do you mean? You're not home looking after them? <laughs> like you're out here living your best life like you're fucking 20? He's the king of the swing, mate. Yeah, that's right. 
Uh, and the criminal organization um, is called Elite Hunting and they kind of have these little business cards with a bloodhound on them and that's like your initiation, I guess, when you're going into one of these chambers to torture someone you've paid for is they tattoo you with that same symbol, um, which I thought was kind of cool. It makes it like this kind of sick club that they're all in. So if you ever see someone like in day-to-day life back home with that tattoo, you're like, just give them, give them the nod, give them a look. You know, you know I, what they're capable oh, I of. I think you wouldn't. I think it's that secret. You don't mention it at all. You don't it's talk like about Fight Club. Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess a little bit more background on it. Uh, it was filmed in the Czech Republic, um, but all the torture scenes were filmed in an abandoned wing of a functioning <laughs> mental hospital in Prague. What a place to film, eh? Yeah, gnarly. And uh, I thought this was hilarious. Eli Roth hired a string quartet to play Vivaldi in between shoots to lighten the mood. I mean, sure, playing such a dark fucking mood. That'd be weird, though, like, for the actors going from, oh, when they're not filming, it's this, yeah, classic musical playing. Mm. All right, cut that now, you're getting tortured. Yeah. Well, I thought it would have been creepier if, like, they were playing that music in, like, some tinny, shitty speakers in the room. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, yeah. I guess you kind of get that because the guy, like, whistles a cheerful tune while he's, sure. like, cutting people up. Which, sure. Yeah, is is a, a gnarly juxtaposition that I think just works really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned before, like, all the blood that was used. Uh, apparently, they went through 150 gallons of fake blood, uh, which was around 568 liters. Oh, a little bit then. I got to... I wish I had a better sense of how much that is and memory because I always hear about how much blood, you know, a movie used on set, but mm. then I can never remember how to compare them. Like Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. I, I remember that used like a shit ton of blood for the elevator scene. Oh, it The would. Shining. I can't remember how much blood oh, they used. Yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, they use a lot of blood in this, but in context of what's that to compared to like this other movie? Yeah. I mean, I would say if you're comparing to things like Evil Dead Rise and The Shining, this was just like someone in a chair. Getting tortured, so that's mm. a lot of blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of The Shining, though, uh, I didn't realize this till I, I read it in the notes. The main room that the characters stay in at the main hostel is two thirty-seven, oh, like wow. the oh. like the ghost bath lady in The Shining. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> that was cool. Nice a nod. Subtle little nod. Yeah. And uh, oh, another funny little tidbit was uh, at the train station near the end there's this like fictional band poster on a wall. And if you look closely, it's actually just crew members, including Eli Roth, dressed up as these like glam rockers. Oh, nice. And like a funny like 80s pose on the wall. So that's his second cameo in the movie then. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Was he also, what, what was his, he was, his he was cameo? A, he was a stoner in the, the cafe in the beginning of the movie when they're in Amsterdam. He's like, oh. his, dude, his friend's ripping on a bong hit. Oh, okay. Because I noticed, I noticed him there. Apparently, Quentin Tarantino has a cameo. I didn't actually catch that during watching. Oh, no, but he's one of the guys either. that's like yelling out of the out of the building at them at the hostel. Oh, okay. When they're like locked out after midnight or whenever. Yeah, and then there's also the the Japanese guy that walks out of what he thinks at the time is the art show. Oh yeah, that's the director of audition and something else. Oh, that's so sick. Yes, that's cool. Because think- I've heard that Eli Roth, Eli Roth likes to include cameos to like older like what he finds influential horror yeah. movies in his movies. That's sick. I did catch the latter of the three you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, only just from watching... Th- just say the third. <laughs> just say I, the third. Only from watching the um, behind-the-scenes stuff. But, yeah, the first two I didn't pick up on. That's mm. that's cool. Uh, yeah, so I guess uh, going into it, I mentioned this before that I thought it'd be sick to have, like, classical music playing while they're torturing these people. You kind of get that in the opening sequence mm. where... As the the credits are, are playing through, there's like all this blood and viscera being like washed down a drain as mm-hmm. a guy's like whistling an upbeat melody. I thought that was cool, and uh, yeah, you get there's like three friends in this Amsterdam club, and they're like just lots of sex and <laughs> drugs, and they're hanging out in like the red light district and getting up to whatever people in their twenties in foreign countries would yep. do. I think I, I think. I think there's two things to say about that. One is I imagine the movie is probably going for like a similar trend to the early 2000s or even late 90s, like Mm. college, teen, like sex comedy. Yeah, comedy, like travel comedy. Yeah, I'd say so. Like the Euro trip, the road trip, stuff like that. Yeah. So I I think it's quite funny that he's just taken that sort of trope or genre and just taken a twist. Like, all right, what happened Mm. if midway through they just got fucked up in a different way? 
And then apparently there's a lot, also a lot of uh, like, that's how the world perceives America as, mm. as just like the loud, obnoxious, like teenagers essentially. Yeah. And so he's trying to like show that in this first half of the movie. Yeah, there's definitely... And I, and I guess sort of also trying to like put out a reason as to why the other people, like the other countries hate them so much. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Definitely a commentary on like the arrogance of American tourists, I mm. think. And uh, it's just such a, an interesting mashup, like you said. Like you've got this, uh, I guess, this contradicting opening scene of this dark, eerie room and just something horrible has happened here. <laughs> and then these people are having fun somewhere that uh, could be, uh, you know, source of anxiety for a lot of other people. <laughs> yeah, you know, with the isolation being in the middle of nowhere. Sure. Uh, only knowing one or two other people. Uh, but it doesn't phase them. That's just the American ignorance, I yep. guess. You're American, um, just barge your way in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so uh, they've booked to stay in this this hostel that's that's closed when they've had a big night on drinking, and um, I guess that must be the scene where Tarantino pops up out a window. Yeah, and people they're like screaming to be let in, and then the neighbors are like throwing beer bottles at them, yep. tell them to shut up. Yep. Oh, that's funny. Um, and this dude lets him in by the name of is it Alexi or Alex? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm not sure. And uh, yeah, you like lets him have some of their drugs or he offers his drugs and alcohol, I think. Mm. And he's like, oh no, you've got to stay at this secret hostel I know of where there's like all these beautiful women and you can, you know, do whatever you like with them, all this kind of thing. Like obviously right up there, Ali. Sure. Because uh, they kind of um, set up the story that Josh uh, has like recently uh, become single and he's still like, I guess, grieving over uh, the ex. Yeah. So these other friends are trying to like just get him laid. Like, mm. they just want him to move on and they think that's the best way to do it. And so, anyway, they get the directions for this place and then it jumps to them, like, on a train to this um, town in Slovakia. And that's where that Dutch businessman guy comes into the frame. And it's... I hate, man, being on, like, public transport. <laughs> Some stranger strikes up a conversation with Starts you. Starts eating salad with his fingers. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's awful. Just call him Edward Saladans <laughs> or something. <laughs> But was, was, yeah. no, this would have been before salad fingers, right? <laughs> sure, surely, surely. That I was the thing so. when we were in school, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know when it came out, though. Anyway, um, wouldn't it be funny if that's what it got inspiration <laughs> from? Uh, uh, I, I even just hate it when people are on like a bus or something just talking on loudspeaker. Yeah. Like, there's all that noise around you. Hold up to your fucking ear. It's yeah, but the, it, I, I don't pay attention to those people because they're in their own little world. Yeah. They don't care what else is happening. That's fair. Maybe They are the center of the universe. Maybe I've got the wrong approach to the situation. I shouldn't care. I shouldn't let it bother me. But yeah, but I don't know. I feel like there's nothing wrong with what the man does in this. The train could be full. He, yeah. you know, finds his way into, wow, there's only three out of four seats taken. Let me go in here. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if, if people didn't abide by that, we wouldn't have the Harry Potter series. This is true. And I mean, he does, he's like on the phone when he enters the carriage. And he does apologize. Like he sits down next to him. Like he's relatively polite until he gropes Josh, puts a hand on his thigh. For some <laughs> I don't know. Reason. Maybe he's just, he's a friendly man. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I do like Josh's reaction to that because it's probably how like a lot of people or at least like, you know, macho American tourists putting on a front would react. Yes. But... Yeah, I guess you've got to have some uh, openness to whatever country you're traveling in's traditions and culture. But anyway, it's still I a bit weird. Whatever country you go to, a, a grope on the legs, a grope on the leg. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's if it's the intent, but I know a lot of people's take on the movie is mm. that like both Josh and that guy are closeted. And so the, and I like, did get that vibe. Like the old guy recognizes it in him and is like, because that's when they're later in the bar having the, sort of heart-to-heart talk. Mm. And he talks about, yeah, I made a decision when I was younger based on what I thought was right. Yeah. Ended up with a, like a, a, a wife and two like kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you just got to do what you want to do. Mm. Yeah, nothing's explicitly stated in that regard, but it definitely comes through. Because and... then also... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you go. But it also goes to like uh, sort of half explain why Josh has that sort of homophobia and he's yeah. like av- aversion to actually having sex with the sex workers. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, for sure. And um, in retrospect, I also kind of got a similar feel to get out in that scene because he kind of grabs his leg and it's later revealed it's because he bought him. And I sort of saw that as when they have that party, that like quote unquote annual event at the get out 
family house yeah. and people are like grabbing his arms and saying how strong he is and like complimenting his physique. Sure. Anyway. Are you saying he'd already bought him at this point? Because that, that, wouldn't, I, I be think the, that so. wouldn't be the case. Okay. I don't think so. I wouldn't have imagined he'd bought him until he gets there. But shit, maybe you're right. Because I think maybe, Alexi yeah, was maybe in on it, right? with Alexi. Because it's revealed that he knows the two women that become their roommates at this other hostel and... Yeah, because otherwise it would be hella coincidental that he yeah. just happens to walk into that cat. You know what? You've you've convinced me. <laughs> Good job. Anyway, uh, they check into this new hostel and um, <laughs> they walk into the dorm room. These women are changing. They're like, oh, come to the spa with us. And they're just full of these naked women. So they're in their heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly not Josh, as we've just established. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I guess he doesn't want to let like his friend Paxton down, who's definitely uh, all up in there. Mm-hmm. And um, another interesting thing I wanted to point out was Josh says that he hates smokers. And like yeah. that's that's a deal breaker for him in potential women, right? That Paxton's trying to set him up for. Yes. And there's even one scene before he and the Dutch dude like reconvene that he like needs an inhaler because he's got asthma. But that doesn't serve the story in any way. And he doesn't have any kind of asthma attack during the torture scene. So I don't really know the point of having that in this film. Did you have any thoughts on that at all? I do not. <laughs> I've got nothing. I did, honestly didn't even realize until you've just said it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. overlooked it completely. The only way I could think that it would serve the story is if they lent into that uh, illusion that he is gay and he says that, oh, no, I don't want to talk to that chick because she smokes. And then he goes outside and lights up. Then you can be like, oh, okay, so he just said that to get away from the situation and he actually smokes. I got nothing. Like, that'd be, that'd serve a purpose. Anyway, <laughs> that's just one of my gripes. Um, and I guess, yeah, they have this, like, big night now, this hostel, these roommates they get close with. Uh, they start making out with them, go to their dorms with them, and then Paxton and Josh, the two Americans, wake up to find Ollie gone, mm-hmm. who is the Icelandic dude they've picked up and start taking along with him. Uh, and they presume he's just left with some girl that he found, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when, like you said, Paxton kind of says to Josh, oh, we didn't even know him. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a kid and we didn't know that. Like, maybe he's just <laughs> moving on and gone to, you know, wherever the party took him. Uh, but then it's, like, kind of shoehorned in. Paxton and Josh are, like, out and about around the hostel and um, this friend of the woman who's also missing, like, says, oh, I have, I got sent this photo of my friend with your friend and shows like their heads. I don't know. It just felt weird to me, man. You shoehorned in. I, I liked it. I think it kind of goes to show the the arrogance maybe of the, the elite hunting club where like they put the minimum amount of effort into their alibi. Fair. Yeah. I don't know. They just kind A of... Ex- superimposed yeah, photo. <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's not... It's not superimposed. Yeah. It? Nobody would fall for that picture yeah you look at that picture that's not two people who are alive and having a good time that's dead motherfuckers yeah but yeah. then yeah I, I view it as just yeah they're just so arrogant they think oh they'll just, they'll just send them a message as mm. their alibi it's fine like killing someone and then tweeting from their account or something yeah uh and i think it might even be that same scene where uh it has like the same pose of ollie's face in that photo and then shows his like severed head <laughs> So th- that's what made me think it was like superimposed or maybe someone just like literally held the head up in front of that landmark and took a photo. No, because I'm pretty sure the head was still attached to the body in the photo. Oh, okay. But I love that match cut when they get like the bolt cutters yeah. over the chick's toe just as he closes it off. It's like a cut to someone like clipping, clipping the nails. Clipping nails. Oh, that was fantastic. That was beautiful. That. And that was a nice kind of tidbit. It's like here's a little glimpse of like what's happened to him, mm-hmm. but y- you don't actually know like anything that's happened at this point. Like nothing's kind of overtly off like you just put it down to you know different country different culture they behave differently i don't mm-hmm. know they're, they're backpackers they just do their own thing go with the wind like it's it's all kind of making sense to a degree and it's not too bizarre at this point sure and then you know they have another big night of drinking with these girls at the same hostel and at this point i think they spike their drinks right yeah because I, I don't know what the drink looked like fucking guinness or something uh, it was like tar well I got, yeah i got no idea what, what would they be drinking in Slovakia? Um, I, would assume, I would assume hard spirit of some kind. I'd say like vodka or something. Yeah. yeah. I know. Why, why do you think that they waited the second night to get them like the other two? I think well, maybe I was trying to think of that. Like other than to extend the runtime of the movie, yeah. why didn't they just like, because 
they had a whole night where they partied it up, they got it on with them, mm. and then a whole another day, and then the second night is when they're actually going to do it. Do you think, in my mind, I was like, you know, we're about to kill them, give them one night of, you know, fatten the pig before the slaughter type thing? Yeah, possibly, but now that you've... Or is it just for their, like, their own enjoyment in Slovakia? Like, hey, let's torture them, have some fun before we kill them? Yeah. Now that you've said it, I mean, I guess they... The girls probably didn't want to date rape them, so I guess they give them one night before they spike their drinks. But you're absolutely right. There's no reason they couldn't have yeah. just spiked their drinks the first night. And then Odd morality. Murder? Absolutely fine. Date rape? Nah, that's too far. <laughs> Which, I mean, fair. Don't play with your food. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's a, another good point. Josh wakes up and you've got like his POV from like under a hood or whatever. And it's quite scary. Like oh, just, jump, jumping forward to the to when he has been captured. Sure. Yeah, and and he does like come to, and you've just got like this little hole that's kind of glancing around this empty, abandoned room, and he sees like the surgical tools, mm. and then like a fucking workshop yeah. desk. I mean, and, yeah, it takes a, a hard turn, which is like sort of telegraphed, and like okay, yeah, like we've had Ollie being killed, you know, seen his head, the chick, mm. presumably getting her toes cut off. Yeah, and then yeah, it, it is a very abrupt. They had an art of parting. Okay, they have been roofied, but now, mm. bam, it's like he's in a room, he's about to get tortured. Yeah, <laughs> at this point as well, uh, I like that you don't know where that is because mm. I, having watched this for the first time this week, thought that was in like the basement in of the, the hostel. hostel. Yeah. And then when they show uh, at least Paxton, I can't remember if Josh is with him at this point, when they go to like the torture museum mm-hmm. and they like. <laughs> do stub their tickets with the like guillotine. guillotine yeah. Um, like I thought, oh, okay, maybe it's there. And like when there are screams of people being tortured, people think it's like ambience. Sure. Like when they're doing That's a tour smart. of it. Yeah. yeah. We should open up a tourist, uh, a torture museum. Yeah. So I thought like it was going to be one of those two things. And when it was revealed to be like this dilapidated old factory yeah. building, I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense that <laughs> they would have it away from civilization. But yeah, I just thought it'd be cool if it was like under everyone's nose the whole time. Sure. I mean, yeah, before I'd ever watched this movie, I my preconceived notion that it was all based in a hostel. Yeah. Like, similar to yeah. the movie Vacancy, where that's all just in an old motel. Mm, Okay. And uh, it's interesting because it's almost like elite hunting definitely has like this medieval approach to the torture methods. Like they want it to be slow and enjoyable, which is sick. Well, I, I thought about this as well because if you're paying for someone, which surprisingly low fee, I felt like, like twenty five grand for an American. Mm. But if you go, if you're fine with just anyone, what is it, like five grand? That's nothing. Yeah, I think in the second one, the main I mean, shit I'm goes not, for like not 75. Nothing. I'm, not a, I'm not rich over here. I'm heavily debt, in debt with mortgage. But I would imagine a human life would be more than $5,000. See, there are better things that could be spending your money on. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like it because it's kind of indicative of their view of the human life. It's like, oh, yeah. like human life is plentiful. We could easily get more tourists. Just five grand. That's fine. Mm. It, it, we view them as nothing more than, you know, cattle. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting too to see if there was ever another sequel made where there were different tiers and you had like celebrities. You could like pay an extra fee to have them kidnap someone famous or like an ex of yours. <laughs> like they could target specific people instead of just abducting random backpackers. That's if it ever goes to America. Well, true, yeah. And I guess back to this uh, scene when Josh wakes up and he's handcuffed to this chair and in this torture chamber... The businessman, this Dutch dude from the train that groped him and was talking to him at the bar, uh, that's kind of more shocking there. I, I guess you kind of see it coming to a degree, but the fact that they were just starting to build a rapport, mm-hmm. and now it's like, oh, no, he's going to torture you. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, he, What does he do first? Like, drills holes into his thighs and his yeah. chest. and I shamelessly stole that idea for a short story I wrote in English in oh, like grade 10. Sick. Nice. So I must have seen this, yeah, before grade 10. I would believe it. Oh, it was a great tent. It was with Mr. Wilmser. Yeah, For those okay. who went to Dakman High School. By the way, I wrote a short story for an assignment in his class because he was my English teacher briefly mm-hmm. and I called it Of Wolf and Man, yep. which I got from the Metallica song of the same name and obviously you've at least heard of the American classic of Mice and Men. Yes. And one of his criticisms was you can't start a title with the word of. Yeah, look, I'm not going to say anything about his teaching <laughs> at all. He was, I'm sure he was fine. I don't remember a lot of it. But Carrie. I might say. But yeah, I can't really remember what the short story was meant to be about. But I think it was, I had like, I shamelessly stole like seven different movies and mashed them together. Like the yeah. start of G.I. Joe, where there's these two people that go into a building. 
one of them escapes, the other one supposedly dies, mm. and then it turns out he's the bad guy all along. Spoilers for G.I. Joe. Ooh. But and then yeah, in it I had a scene where the dude was tied down, the dude the bad guy was just putting drill into his leg and all over his body. Yeah. And I remember he just wrote next to it in red letters like yuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's fair. I, that's fine. I can't remember what I got. Maybe maybe a maybe a B minus or something. <laughs> I mean that's definitely more than a pass. Yeah, well, barely. Because I feel like I remember you and I talking about horror like probably around that time, so I wouldn't be surprised if you'd seen it by then. Well, I would have had to have seen it by then. Would it have been from your brother since he introduced you to the Saw films? Mm, No, he didn't introduce me to Hostel. I don't know how I found that. Yeah, okay. And we mentioned before as well the scene where he slices Achilles' tendons like, like undoes his handcuffs and says, mm-hmm. oh, you want to go? You're free to go. I, do you think that's probably the most memorable scene from this movie? Uh, I think it's the one that made me... Oh, no. Okay. I was going to make a statement that I <laughs> I digress before it leaves my lips. Uh, definitely early on because of, like you said, the tonal shift. Mm. Yeah. Like, this is the first thing I remember happening. Like, all of the stuff before this sort of action sequence, I'll call it, um, I only kind of noted down in dot point form for this pod like mm-hmm. if i was talking to someone about hostel that's probably where i in my mind would say the film starts sure yeah when when the real film starts yeah because i mean oh i've heard stories of people like snapping that tendon playing sport or whatever and it sounds like a you can, gunshot yeah, you can hear it yeah so the fact that he just slices it and then like in the moment just tries to walk mm. oh gross yeah it plays with it for a bit before actually showing you what happened because mm. the camera holds on Josh's face while the doctor goes behind him and you hear cutting oh. and Josh starts screaming. So yeah. when you're watching it for the first time, you're like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Something bad's going on. And then he's opening the door, letting him go. And that's when it finally shows the Achilles tendons. Mm. I, I would argue that you know exactly what he's doing <laughs> by his reaction, but that almost makes it worse because it's sure. like you're not showing it. It's just mm. in, you know implied. But then when he does like lean forward and it shows like the foot kind of separating from the leg, that was gnarly Alec, as Alex well. Alex is cringing next to her. She did not like that scene. <laughs> Very good practical effects though. Yep. Uh, and what's interesting about that as well is Josh was set up as the main character until this yeah, point. Yeah, it fucking took me off guard when I first watched it. I was not expecting the shift in main character mm. at this point. Which I thought was really cool. It's kind of like a the psycho approach, I guess. Hell yeah. And... Uh, the next morning, Paxton finds the roommates at this random bar and they're kind of acting all casual, like uh, giving him a cold shoulder to a degree. He doesn't want to help him look for Josh. And he's like, look, Ollie, I get it. Maybe he, you know, I didn't really know him that well. Maybe he just moved on. But like Josh, he wouldn't have just left. Like his backpack was at the reception desk or something. Mm-hmm. And he goes into his room and the same thing plays like plays out when they first moved in where like the chicks are topless putting clothes on and issues yeah, and stuff. Yeah, true. And that's like the first hint one of the first major hints to him that something is off and wrong. Mm, it's and all then, set up. But then from that point on, like it's almost as if the whole veneer of the city has changed and so everything's more grey. All of the people just way more unattractive. Way more attractive. Because when he goes and finds those girls in the bar, mm. they look like crack addicts or something. Like their hair is yeah, matted, they're dark. They look like they're not wearing makeup. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, probably true of any city with, like, a bustling nightlife, is you go there and there's all the neon lights, everyone dresses up to go out, and then you see it in daytime, and it's just, like, yeah. littered with the homeless, there's broken shop fronts, and Rubbish it's everywhere. dank. Yeah. Which is also funny, because I think it goes to show the, like, impactfulness of portraying something in a movie. Mm. I don't know if that made any sense. But, obviously, the, was it, the Czech or the Slovakia government did not like this movie for its yeah. portrayal of the country. And then I've seen behind the scene foot behind the scenes footage of the town where this was shot in the Czech Republic. Mm. It looks beautiful. Like mm. with everything it's all like red brick and it's all old architecture and it's like, yeah, there's this city by a river. Mm. It looks really nice. But then in this movie they just shoot it from certain angles, put a grey filter on it, and it looks completely desolate and like a wasteland. Yeah. Abandoned wings of mental hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean hell behind the scenes footage it would make me want to go there and i love that eli roth's defense was why people i bet the average american doesn't even know where the fuck slovakia is oh yeah so he's just using yeah. slovakia as an anagram not an anagram a um analogy analogy for like <laughs> 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 fucking hell using it for america's uh analogy of 
just the average overseas mm. country. It's like, oh yeah, just their their racism and Zionism, whatever it's called. Xenophobia. That's the one. What's Zionism? Is that were you thinking of like cynicism? I don't know. I, I don't know what Wait, my mind thinks. Is, is that coffee kicking in yet? <laughs> I don't know, I'm sick. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but yeah, so he's like, all right, fine, take me to this art show. Whatever, I'll go see it. And uh, literally walking into a trap. I mean. Yeah. I, he, what are I, you doing? He, I feel like he kind of knows it. Like, he, he knows it's not right. With the fact that they're driving him out to this remote area as this dilapidated old building. Like, mm-hmm. I think he knows something's off, but he thinks, I don't know, he's just going to find him, like, I don't know, held captive or something, not so much being Maybe operated on. his own arrogance thinking, I'll be able to get out of this. Yeah. And yeah. to be fair, like, by this point, he's done everything he can. He went to the cops. The cops couldn't help him. He's in a, a complete random city that he doesn't know anyone. He's like, all right, mm. well, I've left my friend somewhere. Well, I've lost my friend somewhere. Yeah. I've got to find him. I've got to follow up the only lead I have. That's a very interesting point as well that you just said is, I guess, leaning into the isolation of this film as well as a horror trope is that you later discover the cops are in on it. Like when Paxton later you know, starts to escape from this building. He sees out the window like a police officer shaking hands with Mm -hmm. the guards of elite hunting out the front, right? So that kind of makes you recall, oh, so that whole time he gave that statement to the cops earlier, reported Josh is missing, like it's just going to, you know, get lost. Which I don't know if you did, but I kind of got a feel for that in the moment as well, just from the sheer like disinterest the cop had he's just mm. a blatant no oh, i'm sure yeah, it, he happens. Just, it happens all the time yeah. i'm sure he's lost <laughs> where the victim is well i don't know if it's a victim where paxton is literally saying no i know this person it mm. is not like you say it is yeah yeah so that was uh, interesting as well so you're in a foreign country surrounded by dangerous people with no government support and your friends are dead yeah. so it's like how the fuck are you gonna get out of here <laughs> Uh, and what's interesting about this, like, quote-unquote art show is, like you mentioned before, that famous Japanese director mm-hmm. is, like, seen walking out as Paxton's walking in. And like I said, they're not forcing him in there. Like, he's asking literally to be taken to the doorstep. Uh, so it, it couldn't work anymore in their favor. But as that dude walks out, he says, be careful. Mm-hmm. And Paxton's like, oh, why? And he says, you could spend all your money in there. <laughs> I thought that was fucking perfect, yeah. that line. because. When he says, be careful, for a second, you're like, oh, it's ominous. Like, he's actually getting a, a warning. He might get away. And no, he just twists it without, like, by being ambiguous enough yeah. that he doesn't give away that it's not an art show. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just and I mean, from, excellent screen. From writing. the Japanese businessman's point of view, Paxton's probably just another client that's going in to kill someone to pay money to kill. Which literally comes up, right, when you see the dude that's, like, dressed up, ready to go in. <laughs> Fucking Lewis Lit. Anyone yeah. that's seen Suits. <laughs> that caught me off guard i don't know if you've seen the show suits but there's a character no. played by that actor yeah it's, it's just funny okay okay yeah. we'll, we'll get into that scene so there's a, a bit to talk about paxton walks in there and uh he's just like walking down this corridor and all these rooms like the doors are open mm-hmm. which I thought was weird because like any other time you see from the victim's pov the doors are locked and i guess it was just to serve this this uh plot point but sure. he's like walking down the hallway and all these rooms, you know, where people are getting tortured by these rich people that have paid to, to do whatever they like with them. And he sees the Dutch dude with, like, Josh's chest flayed out, like, stitching him up. Uh, because I think when it's just those two in the room, when you're looking from Josh's perspective, he says, like, he always wanted to be a surgeon, but he had the shakes, right? <laughs> so they, he couldn't pass his exams. Yep. And when he gets a glimpse of Josh, sees that he's dead, he gets, like, dragged away by these bouncers and locked in this room. And what's really cool about that is the shot lingers on him. So mm-hmm. the room goes dark because you're seeing what he's seeing, but you can still hear his like panic sounds. Mm-hmm. And it's like 10 seconds later, they unlock it again and put a hood over his face or whatever. I thought that was really cool as well, like putting you in the character's shoes. Yeah. And when they get him prepped for one of the guys, one of the paying clients to, to torture him, that's a really interesting take on the whole ordeal of it as well because he's very hesitant it's almost like he's always been curious as to what he would do if there was no uh you know um punishment for for breaking the law and killing a man uh but he's also not competent he's Mm -hmm. not confident in himself and i think paxton essentially is like begging for his life in his native tongue right yep and uh he gags him and you you don't know what it's for you think he's like oh i can't do it and he's like 
backs out. But then they come in and put a gag on Paxton. It's like, oh, okay, I thought he was saved, but no, it's just getting worse. <laughs> yes. That was another like grim moment. Which I, I like too that they don't have subtitles for when he's like mm. pleading for his life in another language. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it leaves it all ambiguous. Oh, what's he saying? Oh, it seems to have had an effect. Mm. And then, no, it doesn't. It was hopeless. Yeah, and good I, point. I think, because I looked up what the translation was, it's something along, along the lines of like, please don't kill me. Please, I'll do anything. Uh, and it's like, oh, if you kill me, you'll never forget me. I'll always haunt you. Every time you close your eyes, every time you sleep, I'll be there. Yeah, Something like the like guilt. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, then it uh, it ramps up again. And uh, there's a point where he picks up a chainsaw. Motherfucking chainsaw. Yeah, goddamn. <laughs> of all the things you had there, you go for the fucking chainsaw. I'll right, uh, we'll tell that to uh, Mr. Leatherface. <laughs> yeah. Which I got big Leatherface vibes where he like slips. And yeah. then the chainsaw goes into him yeah i'm imagining that's what they were going for yeah because in the in texas it just like soars a bit in the flesh doesn't it where it's yeah. just like straight up straight severs into, his leg off i thought this was like into his gut oh was it I, I i'm am, pretty I sure it cuts it his leg off i don't know anyway it's not <laughs> um and when he cuts paxton's fingers off is he like trying to cut the chain or is he just like torturing him i i honestly don't know i yeah i can't get in the mind of the character and, uh, yes, anyway, he cuts, like, two of his handcuffed fingers off uh, and then sees that he's, like, thrown up from the shock. So he undoes the gag, spews his, like, green vomit out, which is mm. gross. Uh, but then what's funny, like you said, he, like, slips on the, the ball gag, drops the chainsaw on himself, and then Paxton uses it as a moment to pick up the gun and shoot him in the head, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he's fucking bleeding out from his hand, and then a guard hears the commotion, comes in, shoots him dead... And that's where he takes his moment to escape. And what's, like, kind of funny uh, about this is you get that, like, comic relief of this severed hand when he's, like, hiding on the trolley of just body parts that, like, the... I don't know what you call the dude. He's almost like a fucking... Janitor. Custodian. Janitor, yeah. For these the just cleanup. torture chambers. Um, and Paxton's, like, hiding underneath these bodies. And the severed hand, like, drops off and he just, like, tucks it in under his head. Yeah. That was gross. Um, and he kind of wheels him into this like makeshift crematorium and he's just like feeding the body parts into this furnace. Uh, Bit of a waste of meat in this movie, right? If they're just burning it. Yeah, you like, could probably... Why, why, why aren't they making some sausages like... Yeah. What's that cunt's name from Texas? Uh, I can't remember the old guy's name. Uh, oh, I was thinking fucking Sweeney Todd and his human pies oh, or well, something. Well, that too, you know. Put, but, some, put some meat to use. Don't just burn it. <laughs> I mean, even if some of the organs were intact, they could have sold them in the black market. Yeah. Well, yeah. they don't They don't really need to. They're making enough money. <laughs> yeah, well, this is true as well. And uh, that's when you get that cool scene where he escapes from the crematorium uh, from hiding under dismembered bodies and puts the gloves on to conceal that he's missing fingers and rugs himself up in this jacket. And then uh, this other American dude walks in all dressed up like in the you know leather apron get up and the the boiler suit or whatever and there's a good pause before he says anything because it makes you think oh shit he's being caught like yep. this other client's gonna be like what the fuck are you doing in here but then it breaks the tension by being like can you believe they make us dress <laughs> like this that look like a fucking butcher or yeah. a surgeon or some shit i thought that was awesome oh yeah it's it's definitely like comic relief good tension breaker mm. like yeah tension building and breaking like at the same time yeah, because it's almost like this bro talk, like they're in a locker room yeah. or something. Um, and an intense... Well, which makes sense because like, in his mind, they're both part of the same club. Yeah, exactly. It, it kind of is, just on a sick level. Mm. And um, a really intense performance from Rick Hoffman was his name. Rick Hoffman, okay. Yeah, where he's, and, and I like how kind of reserved Paxton's been because he's probably like in shock, right? Mm-hmm. And bleeding out under that glove. And then... He's like, oh, what do you reckon? Should I do it quick or do it slow? And he says quick, obviously. And he's like, yeah, yeah, just get over and done with quick. No, fuck that. <laughs> I ought to go old school. Yeah, well, I mean, if like I said, if you're paying that much money, you want to get your money's worth. Yeah, and boy, does he go old school. He takes his time with that, that woman. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's gnarly. He goes into his torture room and Paxton uh, makes it outside and he's getting into a car to, to escape. But then he hears the screaming of this woman while she's being tortured by mm-hmm. this dude. And I really like the callback here that when Josh was still alive, they're kind of walking through the streets and he's telling this story of how when he was a kid, he saw a, a girl drown at the beach. Mm-hmm. 
and he tried to tell lifeguards about it and they ignored him and then by the time they heard the screams of the mother and actually went to help the kid was dead right yep. so i thought that was like oh he's already had that guilt and that burden of not being able to save someone before so this is his moment for redemption they've set up the motivation ahead of time or yeah. in the movie so now it's, when he does it it's not like what the fuck is he doing get out of there yeah it's like okay well you can at least see some sort of a reason where mm. he's lived with the guilt his whole life he he wants to do something to sort of make up for it now. Yeah, it was good writing. Gave him genuine motivation. I still the wrong decision. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I, he gets out of there. Would you go back and help a random woman screaming if you're in that situation? <sighs> I'd like to think I would, but I wouldn't go back without a weapon. <laughs> you're a. You've got a real hero complex. I'm sure you're aware. <laughs> uh, I. I have no doubt you would. <sighs> I would. Because I, I would want someone to do the same for me, right? So I yes. kind of live by that logic and just hope that there are enough people in the world that share that mindset sure i'm the other side of that coin where because i, I you take the logical approach i expect people don't have that so i wouldn't yeah yeah i mean if you want to enhance your chance of survival sure going out in that car when you get to it is the smart choice yeah he turns back for this woman opens the door where this american dude is blow torching her eye yes which i don't know is that do you think he did something before that to get the eye out? Because I can't imagine a blowtorch is going to pull an eye out. How did he get the eye out to begin with? What did he do? Oh, I, don't I know. need to know. A fucking spoon. Just <laughs> gouge it out and then try and cauterize it. A vacuum. Just oh, stick a vacuum on it, Homer Simpson ten. style. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's better. This was already up there as being like a cringe in a good way moment. Mm-hmm. And then he shoots the client and grabs the eyeball and snips the optic nerve. Why does he do that? Why does he cut the eye off? It makes zero sense to me. I think he's got the idea that... I don't know. It's it's like when you get bitten by a zombie on your leg. Just cut the leg off before it spreads. This is like... I don't know. Her eyes dangling out of her face. She can probably see out of it. It'd be quite distressing. And he reckons if he just, you know, cuts it loose. I, I also think maybe, in my mind, slightly less conspicuous... Like, if you see someone with a fucked up face, mm. you think, oh, you know, it could potentially be an old wound or something. Yeah. But if she, it's, it'll draws the eye a bit more, if you pardon my pun, if she's got an <laughs> eye dangling out of her face. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be gnarly. And I mean, what if he, like, snipped it and then cauterized it with a blowtorch? <laughs> That's what he should have done. He had a fucking goo coming out. Oh, of it. dude, that, like, yellow pus that yeah, just we, runs down we her face. Liter- we had custard, like, 10 minutes after this scene. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah, that is the moment that made me cringe the most in this film and could possibly be the most cringe moment I've ever experienced in torture in a horror movie. Like more so than the loved ones. This scene got me. Wow. I almost couldn't watch it. I'm way too desensitized to it. I take that back. There's one that was worse in Saw 10 with the leg scene. Oh, okay. But what possibly makes that worse is she does it to herself. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. Another moment of comic relief I quite enjoyed was when you get that uh, that gang of kids that pops up mm-hmm. every now and then. Bubblegum gang. Yeah, I think they're actual local kids, right? The Roth yeah, I'm just pretty sure they found were played and... by a real childhood gang. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. And uh, Paxton, I think, was wanting to ignore them earlier in the film when they come across them. And Josh gives them bubblegum and they scamper off, right? So, again, another, call, another cool callback um, where they... Uh, gives him the bubble gum and, and uses them to, to help stop the guards that are pursuing him in their car. And they go they go crazy, these kids. Yeah. They're, they're real fucking gangsters. Like and jump on the roof head and, with a rock. Yeah, beat the windscreen with a pipe. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're real gangsters. And uh, what's cool in this is they sort of hold those guys up and then Paxton drives on in the car with this chick he's rescued and he sees Alex, the, the guy from the start, who like let him in when their hostel was closed and suggested the one that stitched them up uh, for Josh, literally. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, the two girls, right, that were their roommates that took him to the art building. And he just fucking floors it. And the practical effects when it, like, hits them and their yeah. face, like, hits the, the cobbled street was gnarly. And then when he goes again and, like, the chick gets caught under the car. Oh, yeah. You know what that scene reminded me of? And I'm, uh, I'm sure it was intentional based on the executive producer. Okay. The scene from Pulp Fiction <laughs> where... Oh, okay. Where, he, where fucking Bruce Willis's character stops the traffic lights and sees Marcel. Yeah, possibly. It, it really reminded me of that. Yeah. I mean, I 
I could see that because I think there's a moment earlier in the film when they're, they're watching Pulp Fiction. Yeah, they're watching Pulp Fiction with like the Slovakian dub. Yeah. And given that Tarantino produced it, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. That's funny. Mows him down, uh, makes his way to a train station, uh, and that's where the chick he saved gets a glimpse of her face in a reflection uh, and just kind of slowly makes her way to the tracks as the train's coming. You can see what she's got in mind. <laughs> and uh, he's like calling for her discreetly and just leaps in front of the train, gets cleaned up, blood sprays up on these bystanders, which reminded me a bit of Final Destination 1. Sure, yeah. I do like, though, that even though it's a bad thing, it, it sets up that it's a quite a good distraction. Mm. It just draws all the guards and the people over there so you can just sneak onto the train. Yeah, yeah. And I do like, um, uh, in the behind-the-scenes footage, uh, Eli Roth had like a bunch of different groups of bystanders to test <laughs> the fake blood on to see who had the best reaction to having it sprayed on him. I like that. And he was like having fun with it, man. He was getting oh, like, yeah. he was getting like people that didn't want to be there to stand and he just like spraying in their face and shouldn't piss them off. And he was like laughing That's about it. That's what I love. Eli Roth is a, seems like a man who really enjoys his craft. Yeah. He has he, a lot of fun. He's with making movies for him. Yeah. And no one else. Yeah. Which is respectable. And, uh, Paxton's on the train. Was he pursuing the Dutch dude or does he just see him coincidentally? Pure happenstance. Yeah. Yeah, he's just on the train trying to get the hell out of Dodge and hears him with the whole same story of he likes to eat his chicken salad with his fingers so he's connected to the meat or some shit like that. Yeah, that's right. And he's like, well, this is my chance. Which is like, I guess, the following morning at the hostel when he sees different women changing as he enters the room. It's like, again, just part of the facade. It's it's all a routine. Yeah, yeah. People have done this many times before. Yeah. Follows this businessman into this toilet the train station, flicks the business card under the door, and when he goes to grab it, he just grabs his hand and cuts Cuts the same two fingers off that he lost with a scalpel. Mm -hmm. I presume he got it from the torture chamber. Yep. And uh, jumps back into the cubicle, slits the guy's throat, and dunks his head in the toilet to drown. Mm -hmm. Wild. Got to be probably (laughs) some of the best revenge. I mean, excluding old boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the, the cut they went with, but they also had alternative takes and mm. the original ending was different. I don't right. know if you know this. So the first one, like the, the original, original ending, I believe was um, where he he still saw the businessman, but the businessman had his daughter that was mentioned previously in the movie. And so Paxton kidnapped... Paxton's daughter? The, no, the businessman. Businessman's own daughter? Yeah, because he, he shows him a photo. Oh, And then right. he also mentions yeah. to Josh that he had a, a wife and kid. Yeah, got it. Yeah, but he, Paxton, finds the businessman, businessman, finds his daughter, like, at the train station, and mm. so kidnaps the daughter and gets the hell out of there, and that's where the movie ends. Oh, okay, interesting. But I think, I don't know, audiences or, some, or someone didn't like that idea, and like, oh, not a big fan of it, you got to change it, so he just changed it to, he just kills him, gets his revenge. Interesting, because that would have made... Two different as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. That's cool. But yeah, I mean, now that we've, I guess, pulled it apart, the ending did give closure to Paxton. I just thought having him get back on the train and kind of fall asleep against the window and then the credits roll was a bit abrupt. I would have liked to have seen him maybe getting home or uh, maybe even though it would have been a bleak ending, train station cops like find the dude in there but because they're the cops that are in it, on it, it shows Paxton maybe looking out the train carriage window and the cops just like discreetly look around and re-close up the toilet to like take him away discreetly. What, to show like how widespread it is? Yeah. Like, I think that would have been too much of a stretch because they're in a different city by that point. Yeah, fair. Okay. I like the way it ended. It just, he got his revenge and then he gets back on the train and he's got a sense of closure. It It's similar to like the, the ritual ending where the guy finally gets out of the forest, looks back, got his closure, and then just walks off. His life is forever changed, but yeah, he's off now. That's a good parallel. And actually, now that we've talked about this film in its entirety and the amount of times I've realized there's a callback to something mm-hmm. and everything in the script was there for a reason, like it was Chekhov's gun, right? Yeah. Anything that was mentioned or used in the first act came around by the final. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of things in this movie are deliberate. Yeah, I guess and in in that regard, the only plot hole I can think of is fucking Josh's asthma and disdain for smoking. That, and that's not a plot hole. That's just something you don't like. Just something meaningless. It doesn't change the movie at all. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. Not a plot hole. Oh, that yeah, 
in case the listeners got the wrong vibe from me, <laughs> I did enjoy this film. Okay. Just for the fact that it was heavy on the torture side, I would probably not be in a rush to see it again anytime soon. But I do appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah, this, this movie is a lot better than the majority of people give it credit for. Mm. It, I guess the problem is a lot of people don't have such a high tolerance for the torture and the effects and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Get more desensitized and then you'll enjoy it more. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Don't be so squeamish. Yeah, don't be so squeamish. Avert your eyes for the, you know, three major scenes mm. and you'll like the rest of the movie. I mean, I'm fine with the gore because, like, I'm a fan of the Saw franchise, right? But yeah. I think what the difference is between these two is that Saw had a purpose to a degree. Like, these How people did this were, not have a purpose? Well, I mean, these people were abducted so randoms could pay to kill them. Yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I, I like that in Saw, there's this whole kind of overarching reason as to why these people are put in these situations and they have the means to fight their way out and this kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I like it because it doesn't necessarily have a reason because it literally, it does show the harshness that some things in the world don't need to have reasons. Mm. Like you see the when it, if you believe Eli Roth that there were murder vacations out there, people did it. Yeah. The world's a fucked up place. Yeah. This is just shining a light on this could be happening in real life in certain places. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's why we're like the strangers and why things like mm. funny games. Which is also, I think, why work. this is a scarier movie than Saw. Because Saw, oh, yeah, it's got the general, mm. you know, fear of being caught and trapped in the room, but it's very sort of unrealistic and, you know, not very believable. Yeah. Whereas this, uh, you travel to a different country, who knows? You. Could hap- this happen to you? Yeah, I agree. This is a scary movie than Saw. Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Hostel, a hostel, as you say. Whichever one. <laughs> Whichever one works. And uh, do you have a favourite shot from this at all? <laughs> I don't think so. Is it's there not, a shot it's not that a was very, artful? It's not a very arty movie. I think the first shot where you see them walk into the village, where it's showing that it's on the river, you know, there's the bridge going over the river. Mm. I'd like that. Like, nice little landscape, nice picturesque. Yeah. Like, village, small small Slovakian village by the river. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there wasn't anything too technical in here, really. It was just the atmosphere and, and the suspense it created in the audience. Uh, apart from that really nice match, match cut. cut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in the group, the Deadheads Facebook group, uh, we asked... What's the worst thing a stranger has done to you? Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty bold question. Yeah. You, I didn't know you were going to post this. So <laughs> this is your question. Get into some dark territory. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't have an answer for this question. I don't, I've, I don't think I've ever really been wronged by a stranger. Some of our listeners <laughs> yeah, had I something mean, to look, say. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised there was uh, some yeah. responses to this one. Yeah. So some funny. <laughs> Jessica said being hired. <laughs> Which is great. I love that. That is good. Uh, your other half, Alex, said calling me at work, <laughs> which I did just read actually this week that Australia is passing a bill to make uh, it legal and, and have no repercussions if an employer ignores their boss on a day off yeah. or outside if, work If you're hours. not at work and the boss tries calling you, you can just ignore it. Yeah. And Dave... Got pretty deep on us. Yeah, this, this good lord. This I almost wants. regretted asking the question <laughs> after I read this. So... Dave said, being broken into by a drug dealer or at least a drug-affected ruffian, (laughs) being threatened with furniture and yelled to get the fuck out of my unit before said ruffian assesses the decor, realises he's in the wrong unit and his, ahem, final destination, very nice, was actually the unit next door. Apparently, he apologised, put the chair he was wielding down and backed out like Dave was the crazy person. Yep. Wild. I mean, I don't want to dox this guy, but do you know what suburb this was in? Because to me, it screams <laughs> either D-Bay or Morayfield, Caboolture. I do not know where Dave was living at the time, but I see where you're coming from <laughs> and I can see something like that happening to you. <laughs> I don't know what I would do in that scenario. I yeah. have no idea. That would have been intense. Yeah. Like, feared for your life and then turns out, oh, Sorry. My mistake. Like, bro, you're in Wrong my unit. house. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Scary. Yeah. But uh, if we've learned one thing from this film and this episode, 
Much like Midsummer, don't go to Europe. <laughs> Bad things happen. <laughs> no, I think you should definitely go to Europe. These these movies are not accurate representations, I think. I've never been to Europe. I'd love to do like a bus about tour where you just kind of get a just pay this one fare and you can bus it between European countries and see everything in a short time frame. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would like to do that. Maybe not on a bus. I think I'd want to go on my own schedule, mm. get a car or something. Yeah, Who knows? fair. But yeah, I've always wanted to go to Europe. Yeah. And this has not dissuaded me. No, we will we'll do something sometime, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, Hostel. Good movie. And uh, thank you all for sticking with us for, I don't know what it will edit down to, but we've been recording for how long do you think, Dylan? I don't know. I feel like it's longer than I anticipated. I thought this whole cut would probably be under an hour, but uh, I had more to say on it than I first thought. I think it just goes to show that we, well, at least I very much enjoyed this movie. Mm. I think oh, it might be bold to say it's in my top 10. Ooh, it okay. might be bold. I'll, I'd say definitely top 15, 20. Yeah, interesting. Potentially top 10. That's cool. Yes. That's cool. Real quick outro. Thank you for listening. You can catch us at Deadhouse or Deadhouse Pod. Check us an email at deadhousepod.com. Join our Facebook group, Deadheads. Uh, we'll be right back.